expect that they will. And certainly in the Christmas story, we saw that things don't go the way that we expect that they will. I heard a story of a little boy who was really wanting a bike. And he had his birthday a couple of months earlier, and he'd really prayed, Jesus, I'd really like a bike for my birthday. And, uh, and he got a soccer ball. So he was pretty disappointed about this. And as Christmas came closer and closer, he is, he's really still wanting a bike, but he's just not entirely sure if God's totally motivated to, uh, to get him that bike. So he's walking through the house a little bit dejected on Christmas Eve, and he sees the family nativity set sitting on the kitchen table. And no one's around, and he has an idea. So he sneaks over, and he grabs the little statue of Mary. Sticks it under his shirt, races out to the garage, finds an old towel, wraps it up, hides it on a shelf behind some jars of screws, and then he walks back to his bedroom, gets down on the floor next to his bed, and he says, Dear Jesus, you know I'd really like a bike. Well, if you want to see your mum again... Let's jump into the Christmas story this morning. Luke chapter 2 verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them at the inn. Man, now we can't even really imagine how busy this must have been for them. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like the last week has been complete mayhem. In fact, Liz said to me yesterday, feels like Christmas totally snuck up on us this year. And uh, we made the mistake of trying to get some Christmas shopping done in the last couple of days. You go to the mall, talk about no room at the inn. Man, there's no room at Sylvia Park. Like, there's no room anywhere trying to find a car park, let alone get in and buying things for the family. Well, just spare a thought for Joseph and Mary, right? They, they had travel. Anyone here got travel coming up today or tomorrow in the next few days, visiting family, driving, or whatever it is? I mean, these guys, it would have taken at least four days to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The distance is about 125 kilometers. And, that's, uh, and that, remember, they did that walking and by donkey. That's the equivalent of three marathons, a marathon every day. I've done a marathon. I could hardly walk after one. These guys did three just to arrive in Bethlehem. Then the accommodation falls through. Can you imagine how that conversation went? Joseph, have you booked the accommodation? Mary, it's Bethlehem. Like, it's just this tiny place. It'll be fine. Trust me. Mmm. I bet that went down well. And then, of course, there's all these unspoken issues about family. I mean, it doesn't seem strange that Joseph goes back to the town where his family are from, but he doesn't stay with any family. Like, he'd rather stay in the stable at the back of an inn than call up his aunties and uncles and say, hey, you guys got room. Like, there's some, there's some stuff going on there that we don't really hear a lot about. And then on top of that, Mary then gives birth. Now, look, honestly, I mean, there are at least a chunk of us here who know how long labor can be. I remember when Ellie was born, 17 hours in labor. I was exhausted. And it doesn't stop there. Let me go back to the scripture. Luke 2 verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, like we heard in the story, let's go to Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe we should go. Yeah, let's go. Actually, the scripture says, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So, you know, after all of the travel, after the family stuff, after finding no accommodation and having to settle in in a stable, after going through labor and giving birth, then a whole bunch of smelly shepherds arrive wanting to talk and tell all these stories about angels and the whole thing going on. And then on top of that, apparently, tradition tells us, some kid turned up with a drum. How well do you think that went down? Pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. Finally, it's time for Mary and Joseph to get some sleep, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, but they had a baby. How much sleep did they get on that first night, right? Little Jesus waking up every three hours. Time for a feed. Time to change these swaddling cough cloths. There was, nothing, there was nothing going on there that was what they really expected. And then come Christmas morning, Joseph and Mary are one thing. They are shattered absolutely exhausted and then what happens well it's interesting because the bible story then goes strangely silent for a few days and then they get jesus circumcised and then they go present him in the temple and make an offering and all those things what's going on what's going on I, I tell you what i reckon happened i reckon it took just a couple of days for all joseph's aunties to find out what was going on and where joseph was and i think they turned up carrying a casserole and telling Joseph off for bringing his new bride into this horrible place and cleaning it all up and letting Mary get some sleep. I mean, that's what aunties do. That's what mums and dads do, right, when, when a baby comes along. And, and I think, though, that at the end of all this, we're reminded again that the real magic of Christmas in the Christmas story happens in all of the togetherness. It happens in all of the different players that had a part in this story. And I, and I love the fact that actually... When Jesus is born, now this couple have become a family. In fact, it is a family, get this, it's a family that usher in the new covenant of God into the world. See, family is really important and never more important than at Christmas. Now, family is important, it's essential, but who knows if family, if we've been really honest, family is not easy, especially not at Christmas time. So what I'm going to do this morning in the time we have left is I thought that it would be great and helpful to give some advice on how to survive family at Christmas. In fact, I'm going to give you 10 commandments of Christmas, 10 commandments of Christmas so that we can survive this togetherness and that this wonderful day can be as magical as it's meant to be. Okay, so get ready. Now, you don't have to remember all 10 of these, but I'm hoping that at least one of these will just kind of go, oh, that's, 
I can remember that. It's going to make a difference for me today. Commandment number one. Thou shalt plan ahead. You know what? A rough plan is worth its weight in gold. Could have saved a whole lot of stress if Joseph had just planned ahead. What do you think? No, sorry. Who do you think was the holiday planner in that marriage after this? Mm-hmm, correct. Not Joseph. And it's important for us to realize that actually on Christmas Day, if you've got family coming around or you've gone around to family, actually have a plan. It can be a really, really simple plan. You know, breakfasts, presents, church, lunch with the in-laws, cricket in the cul-de-sac, movie, sleep. I mean, that, that's a fine plan. But having a plan saves you from the awkward moments of, oh, so what are we going to do now? And then everyone's tossing in all sorts of strange and stressful ideas and you'll find yourself having some game of monopoly that you know is going to cost you probably your marriage and almost certainly your salvation. <laughs> Here's the second commandment. Thou shalt have a contingency plan. Yes, having a plan is not enough, ladies and gentlemen. We need to have a contingency plan as well. See, why do we always expect uh, that, that Christmas is just going to be perfect? Have you thought about what's going to happen if it rains? Have you thought about that? Do you have uh, a movie lined up, for example? Or what's going to happen if it gets really, really hot? Can you transport people to the beach? Can you cool people down? Have you thought about that? Or what will you do if there's no room at the inn? Mm, Get with the program, Joseph. Should have had a contingency plan. And that can make life a lot easier. Commandment number three. Thou shalt anticipate problems. It's hilarious, really. We come into Christmas and we still believe it's going to be this beautiful, seamless day with no problems, no arguments. It's just fantasy land, ladies and gentlemen, because we're getting together with other people and they are flawed just like you. So it's helpful to actually anticipate problems, to realize that there's going to be some challenges and determine beforehand that you're just going to roll with the punches. I heard the story of a family, true story of a family that had a dog that coming up to Christmas was losing its eyesight. As the family were gathered round the Christmas tree on Christmas morning, the dog got a little confused, went up to the tree, cocked its leg, peed on the tree, blew all the Christmas lights, and left the tree dark and smoking in the corner. How do you come back from that when the kids are sitting around wanting to unwrap their presents? You've got to learn to roll with the punches. Thou shalt anticipate problems. The fourth commandment is this. Thou shalt not be a martyr. Now, you know what? I think every family has a martyr. I generally take that role in our family. Uh, You know, there's nothing to be gained from sacrificing ourselves on Christmas Day, getting, trying to get everything done, trying to keep going, keep charging. I'm telling you, nobody is going to clap. It is far better when you realize the pressure is coming on to take a moment to to push pause, to go and sit down, let someone else do it. Because, you see, family is a team sport. And if things are frustrating you, change your focus. Shift what you're doing. Take some time out. Let somebody else take the load. Number five, commandment number five, thou shalt not become a grump. 
This is closely associated with the previous one, and usually the martyr is also the one who becomes a grump. Therefore, that is also my role on Christmas Day. Traditionally, I'm the grumpy one because I'm disappointed at what's going on. There's stuff to be done, and I'm working hard, and I've been at church, and I've been preaching, and I've been doing all this stuff and for the salvation of the souls of men, and now no one understands how difficult it is for me on Christmas Day. I mean, it's really, really rather sad. But it's important to realize that if you are that person, thou shalt not become a grump on Christmas Day. Which means, if you're focusing on things that are frustrating you, time to shift your focus. Go and play with the dog. Go and find the, the, the niece or the nephew who's small and cute and sit down and, and ask them what they got for Christmas. Shift your focus. It's the first step to emotional mastery. And if you are prone to being a grump on Christmas Day, learn to shift your focus. Commandment number six. Thou shalt not forget church. You know, Joseph and Mary didn't forget those important spiritual habits and rituals that, that made them who they were. You know, aside from going and getting Jesus circumcised, which was required by their religious system, they also soon after traveled to the temple to make the offering that they had to make. And man, it was, and talk about being glad they went, they were there and then these two older people came up, both had prophetic words for the family. I mean, it was a pretty amazing thing that happened. These are the sorts of things that happen at church. And I want to encourage you over the Christmas season, don't forget to get along to church. It will inspire you, it will remind you again of what God has for you and what God is doing in your world. Thou shalt not forget church. Number seven, thou shalt receive all gifts graciously. Now, sometimes you and I know that we're going to get a gift that there is no way on God's good earth that we are going to wear, put on our walls, keep in our cupboard, or do anything with other than find the first opportunity for that to go out in the recycling. But that doesn't mean you can't receive all gifts graciously. And it's so important to realize that when we receive a, gr a gift graciously, we honor the giver. And that is what Christmas is, is about. And who knows how God is going to use the things that he brings to you to provide for what you have. You know, on Christmas Day, I well imagine that gold, frankincense, and myrrh weren't on the top five lists of things that Mary and Joseph needed right then. Let's remember, they're in a, they're in a, they're in a stable uh, they don't even have a cot. They don't even have any blankets. They wrap them in cloths or rags. I mean, there are a whole bunch of great things that would have been super helpful for that baby, right? Like a blanket, like nappies, like all sorts of things. And yet they, they, these three kings come along and they give them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we could look at that and go, well, nice try, boys. But actually some more practical presents would have been useful. But have you ever wondered how Joseph and Mary survived when shortly afterwards, God in a dream told, uh, told Joseph that they needed to get out of Israel and they needed to go to Egypt because Herod was going to kill all the babies under two in that area. Joseph had to quit his business, had to go on the road, they had to travel to Egypt, which is just hundreds of miles away. How were they going to provide? I tell you what, a king's tribute in gold will fund you for quite a long time. And who knows that those gifts weren't given specifically in order to keep that family going through the trials that were ahead. Let's always remember to be gracious for the gifts that we are given.
All right, here we go. We're getting serious now. Okay, so uh, commandment number eight. Thou shalt not let in anyone carrying a drum. Look, seriously, Christmas Day is stressful enough as it is. This is just common sense, all right? Sorry, you can go pour up a pump somewhere else. I think it's hilarious that the drummer boy was there in some way, shape, or form. And if you are a drummer boy, I so appreciate you at church, but don't come to my house with your drum on Christmas Day. I have enough going on. All right, commandment number nine. Thou shalt keep Christ in your Christmas. You know, we see all of the marketing and all of the things that are going on in the world. And it is so easy for us, even for us who love God and who follow him, it's so easy for us to forget that actually, if we take Christ out of Christmas, we're really going to miss something important. Christ is the center, not only of our lives, but also of this particular season. And can I encourage you to find a way to keep Christ at the center of what you're doing? Look, it may be just as simple as remembering him specifically when you give thanks before your Christmas lunch. Who knows, maybe it's about gathering the people that you have there before they leave and just asking Jesus for a prayer of blessing on their lives. Maybe it's about taking some time to hear from God and, and giving each of your kids a prophetic word, something like that. Uh, who knows what it is that, that you could do, but it's so important that we intentionally remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And we have to intentionally decide to do something to keep Jesus front and center in our Christmas. The last commandment is this, number 10. Thou shalt exchange expectation for appreciation. Thou shalt exchange expectation for appreciation. And this is huge. You know, discontent, disappointment, conflict comes when expectations are not met. And strangely enough, we all come into Christmas Day, we all come into Christmas with expectations of how things are going to go, how people are going to behave, what it's going to be like. We all expect to get great gifts for the meal, to be perfectly cooked for the afternoon, to be fun and relaxing. We, we, we expect these things to happen, but you know what? In real life, too often expectations can set us up for a fall. If, you could do, if I could get everyone to do one thing today, it would be this. Decide you're not going to have any expectations at all of this Christmas season. And instead, you're going to come at everything with appreciation, with gratitude and thankfulness. You know, we live in a world in which we are part of a very small percentage of those who are most blessed on this planet at this Christmas time. And there are so many ordinary things in our lives that we take for granted every single day. What might life look like if we traded our expectations for appreciation? Watch this. I'm alive! I'm alive! Yeah? Yeah! Oh, yeah! Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? Uh, honey, the power works! It's coming, it goes on and off! Whatever we want! <laughs> We've got clean water! Oh, that's great! Look at that! Ooh. 
I bet I know what this does! Rain down the glorious water! Ha! <laughs> Shoes. Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food! Mm. I love food. What? A beef You have work? This is awesome. What? Listen here. These? The what? Jack, be careful! Oh. I have a car! Did you guys see this? Yeah, you have a car! Oh. A car! <laughs> and don't forget your coffee! You're the best. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Let me challenge you this Christmas. Trade in your expectations for appreciation. It will change the way you see everything that God has given you. You know, the day after, after Silent Night, it was messy, it was exhausting, but it was glorious and it was all about togetherness. And if we can remember that, we'll have a happy Christmas. I'm going to ask everyone to stand together this morning, and if you came with somebody, I'm going to ask you just to reach out and touch that person, because I want to pray a prayer of blessing over everybody as we come to the close of our Christmas Day service. And, uh, and if, you, uh, if you're not with anybody, well, feel free to reach out to somebody anyway, and, uh, and, or even just lay a hand on yourself, because I tell you what, God's going to bless each of us this morning. You know, we're gathered here together, in singles, in couples, and families, we get it here. And Christmas is a time when this family came into being, the family of God that we are a part of now. Let me pray a blessing on every one of us. Mighty God, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us today. Jesus, you came for our salvation. You came to destroy the work of the enemy. God, you came to deal with our falling short, our missing the mark. Jesus, you came to show us what it was like to live. And you showed us by example and you called us to follow you. And God, you told us to live with joy. God, to be thankful in all circumstances. And so today, God, I pray that as we exchange our expectations for appreciation, on this day, as we look to you, I pray that you'll fill every individual, every couple, every family here today with your blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and grant you peace this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's sing one more time together. It's going to be great. We're going to sing Christmas carol and a very Merry Christmas.